I realized that the only thing that was holding me to continuing this business was like, what am I going to say that I, that I do when somebody asks me, what do you do? And I loved it. it I'm being real. I loved being able to say, I own four hair salons. Cause that sounds cool. People want to talk about that. They think it's exciting. You know, like it sounds cool. It sounds successful. Um, and I was like, who am I going to be without this thing that, you know, people in my community know me as. And once I, you know, I was doing therapy, like weekly working through all this stuff. And I came to a point that I was like, the title is not enough. Welcome to the Voted Least Likely Podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur after spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself. I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely Podcast. Welcome, Eliza, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. If you could just give a little intro on who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Eliza and... I recently sold my business. I was a salon owner for eight years. Um, by the end, uh, I had four locations and I just ended up selling them uh, this October 2023. So I am now moving forward with um, starting a new company. Um, so kind of in the beginning processes of that, but in a big kind of transition period because Salons is what I thought I was going to do for my entire life and never, never saw, you know, selling as part of the equation, but here we are. And we met when you were kind of in that transition and yeah. I remember talking to you and just thinking like, oh, it is so refreshing to hear somebody who's going through it because I mean, I think about closing my business all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I think most small business owners do, they go through this. Should I, shouldn't I? And so it's so nice to hear on the other side, like, how do you feel now that the decision is done? Oh my gosh. I feel incredible. Like if you would have told me even just like a year, a year ago that I would be where I am right now, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but it just feels, it feels really good um, one, because I know that the people that I sold to um, are going to like carry on the legacy that I created and have the time, energy and resources to grow it even further. Um, by the time it came for me to sell, my heart wasn't in it anymore. Um, and so for me to be able to 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 get out when I did to exit when I did um 
I think it was really important because I always want to, my motto is always to end things well. And so I think that if I would have just kept grinding, knowing my heart wasn't in it, that wouldn't have been good for anyone, for my staff, for the brand, um, for myself. So yeah, on this side of it, if it feels amazing. It also feels amazing to be starting something new with so much experience under my belt of what not to do next time. Was there a particular point when you knew, because I feel like, you know, I kind of jokingly said like, oh, I think about quitting all the time, but there have been times where I actually have thought seriously about it, but I didn't know. I mean, I'm glad I didn't and I'm, everything's fine, but there was that point of in your darkest moment as a business owner, like, how do you know that it's not just a blip? How did you know, was there a specific thing or was it just enough kind of um, little things that chipped away? Yeah, I think so for myself, um, my husband, Rob uh, has been with me through the journey through since day one. Um, He's always a good mirror and sounding board for those really dark times you know, I mean, there's times he's literally picked me up off the floor. I'm crying in a fetal position being like, I have nothing left. I have no grit. I've got nothing left to give this business. Um, and he'd be able to just listen and encourage me in those times and then give me like space. And usually at what I slept on it and come back the next day and be like, Nope, there's still a fire there. There's still something that I'm ready to like flame. Um, and then really just the last three years since the pandemic. And I feel like, I feel like the pandemic is like a swear word that I don't even want to utter. Cause I just don't even want to like think about it or talk about it, but it, it crushed a lot of small business owners, hearts and dreams and energy levels. And I'd say for the past three years, um, going through that experience as a small business owner, also, while uh, having two kids, um, since then, so much of my perspective has uh, shifted. And uh, I'm trying to think your original question. What was the moment that I knew? Yeah, was there a moment? Because I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like an impossible question because I know that it it's something that builds. But I'm just, was there like a, a final straw? Or were you just new? Like, absolutely yeah. new. There, there was a final straw um, and it, it came to a point, it's funny because it, it really followed very parallel with what I was like working through in therapy personally. Um, and so it really came to a point where um, after 2022, it was like our highest grossing year as a business. And we came in and at the end of the year did my numbers and we were at a loss. So to get put in perspective, one of my locations did $850,000 in sales, which should be something to be celebrated. That's almost a million dollars for a hair salon. And at the end of the year, we had a loss. We had a loss of $35,000. And I, it just, it felt so defeating because I'm like, I have poured everything into this business. I've tried everything. I've, I have a business coach. I do all that marketing. I do like you, like give me a podcast on business to listen to, like you name it, I've done it. And we're still coming up short. So that was kind of a moment where I started to get a little bit like, 
is this what I want to be pouring my heart into? Yeah. And there was still a little bit of that, that flame left. And so I, I came back to my team and I was like, this is the situation. We have to make some serious changes if we want a sustainable business in the future. Yeah. So I came back to the team and I, I made some necessary changes with our pricing structure, necessary changes um, with the way that we like track our product and our usage, because that was, we were just hemorrhaging money in supply costs. Um, and I came back to the team and really like bared my soul of like, like, look, this is, these are the numbers. Yeah. Um, and I was met with such opposition. Um, and I had a lot of people, uh, you know, like just bail. And it, it broke, it broke my spirit. If I'm being completely honest, it broke me. And, um, I, I tried to explain like, look, like you, you love working here. If you want to keep working here, we got to figure, we got to figure this out. Like, yes, it's an amazing place to work. Like, I feel like we've poured so much into the space, into this culture, into what we want to make this, this place be, but like the numbers have to add up at the end of the day. Um, and at the end of the day, people are free to, to go and, and choose to move on. And a significant amount of people all at once chose to leave me, leave the business. <laughs> See, there we go. It feels really yeah. <laughs> business in what I would consider was probably one of my darkest times as a business owner. I was like really struggling with postpartum. My son was like a couple months old, um, and for me, it was that moment that the fire went out and, you know, I looked at Rob and I was like, I think this time I'm done. And he's like, he said to me, he's like, I think you are too. And he looked at me, he's like, there's something in your eyes. It's, it's different. This time feels different. And that's when I knew that like one I had been pouring into my business at the detriment of myself, just giving, 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 thinking if I just give enough, if I just do enough, if I just give, 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 give at, at the expense of myself, it will turn around. Um, and I had to have a really like long, hard look in the mirror and be like, is this what you want? And so it was at that moment that I was like, okay, I, I started opening up my mind to the possibility of selling because I'm like, I know I have a phenomenal brand. I have a phenomenal team, like talented people. Um, we're well-known, like somebody will want to take this and run with it. I'm just no longer the person to do that. And when I mentioned like therapy, like I was working through so much of this like identity stuff in myself of like, who am I going to be without this? And literally... I realized that the only thing that was holding me to continuing this business was like, what am I going to say that I, that I do when somebody asks me, what do you do? And I loved it. I'm being real. I loved being able to say, I own four hair salons. Cause that sounds cool. People want to talk about that. They think it's exciting. You know, like it sounds cool. It sounds successful. Um, and I was like, who am I going to be without this thing that, you know, people in my community know me as, and once I, you know, I was doing therapy, like weekly working through all this stuff. And I came to a point that I was like, the title is not enough. It's, it's gotta, it, 
I need to be, I need to be fulfilled. I need to be built up. I need to be, take care of myself. And if I'm hanging on to this because of a title, that is, that's not going to be good for anyone. So it was was weird. It was like in that moment that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm still going to be the exact same person with the exact same like resume, skill set, you know, talents, weaknesses. I'm still going to be the exact same person without this thing. It was like a weight lifted off. And then I was like, I'm ready to sell. Oh my God. That is so <laughs> like, that is like mic drop. That is so good. I, I felt so emotional when you were talking about that because I, I know how difficult it is. And it it's, I know that even as you're talking about it, I'm sure reliving it is, is painful. It, it's a heartbreak and there's, I'm sure a grieving period. Um, but, oh my God, there are so many things in there that first of all, the numbers, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing numbers because we see so much bullshit online of like a six figure business, a seven figure business, blah, blah, blah. But people don't understand that there's a difference between like revenue. Yes. You know? Like it's just, it's one of those things that you think, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna if I sell a million dollars, like you said, eight hundred thousand dollars at one of your locations, that is an insane amount of money. And to yeah. still have a loss, like people just don't understand unless they're in it. Um, Absolutely. so just sharing that, I think, really adds it it just allows other people to be like, oh fuck, okay, it's not just me because there's so much shame around, you know, what we think of oh, as numbers, right? There's so much shame around. And I think you and I have talked about this in a different conversation about as business owners, it can sometimes be so incredibly lonely because you're walking the line of presenting, presenting to the world that like, I'm a great business. You want to come here and get your hair done, or you want to come here and buy my jewelry. You know, you have to present to the world. Nobody wants to like, be like, we're a sinking ship. Please come buy our goods and services. Right. So you have to present to the world because you're always grinding. You're always grinding to like, to get there, to, you know, to be, to be successful. But at the same time, when things are not going well, you feel like you are the only one and you feel like you can't, you can't really put it out there to find other people because then you have to show the numbers and you have to be, to be vulnerable. And and that can be really scary. So yeah, it, it definitely can be so lo- so lonely. And you see so much online about, yeah, it's all about the sales numbers. And it's like, sales are like, wow. But but like, if your expenses are more than your sales. 100%. One plus one cannot equal seven. Like yeah. one has to equal two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and- I know there was a year where I spent, I spent a hundred thousand. This is a few years ago. I spent a hundred thousand dollars in my business and I made 80. And it was like, yeah, I have a, I have a six figure, like I almost have a six figure business, but not really. It's more the reverse. Like it's just so nuts, right? Yeah. Um, because, because the, I do have, I do have a good like handful of other business owners in other industries actually, um, that I'm able to be really, really transparent with. And those people really helped me through this time. And the more I talked to them, the more I realized that literally almost every small business was in the exact same thing with SIBA loans, like, you know, employment costs going through the roof. You know, once, once the BC government implemented the law that you have to do five paid sick days, that was 
instantly a $15,000 yearly bill that was just going to have to come out of our bottom line. Um, so, so things like that, when you can find your people that you can be super honest and open with, I, that, that really helped me because I think if I hadn't had those few key people that were going through the same thing, I think it, it probably, I would have just felt like I was drowning in shame. Um, you know, yeah, I the shame piece is is huge. And I what you're saying before too about having the image, because again, you need to you need to look like a place people want to support because you're doing well enough. But again, like that fine line of also being vulnerable and you can't find the right people unless you have a bit of vulnerability. But <laughs> no one wants to show their cards, no one wants yeah. to admit they're, you know, don't know what they're doing. Um yeah. A huge thing for me was when I realized, like, I always thought, oh, I'm so dumb. Like, I must just be so dumb compared to everybody else. I never know what the hell I'm doing. And then when you realize other people don't know what they're doing, it's like, oh, nobody actually knows what they're doing. No one knows. Absolutely. And I think, like, why is it that, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like I see this in a lot of female owners and founders. It's like, why is it when we are pouring everything into a business and then the numbers, you know, aren't there. The first thing I went to is like, Oh, it's me. I'm a bad business owner. I don't know what I'm doing when it's like, Oh, think about the factors that have gone through this. Like your supply costs have risen. Some of them of which like have risen by like 400%. Your, you know, rent's gone up taxes. I've got all these things, but, but the first thing is always to go inward and be like, Oh, I must just suck. You know, when it's just like, no, I know it's like self-awareness is, is good. But then like, I think we take it too far of like, I, like I am a failure, not I failed. Right. It's like, we make it so personal and so shameful. And yeah. Um, Another thing that you said was about identity, which this is in those dark moments I've had where I've thought about quitting this is, I don't like to admit it, but a hundred percent, the thing that goes through my head is like, but if I quit, then all the people that told me I would fail would be proven right. And I can't let that go. Right. And then I have to like, really think, you know, is that why I'm doing it? And I've said to Kyle, like, I don't, sometimes I wonder if I'm doing this just because I can't, because my ego, I can't let it go that I can't prove those people right. Like I just can't do it. Right. Which is terrible. That's no one should be, it's okay to have a chip on your shoulder and get dry from that, but nobody should be building a business on like resentment. Like I don't recommend it. So I always like in those dark moments, those are the thoughts that I have. And then M Kyle, my partner always says never, you can't quit on a bad day. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. So then I always wait. And then once you get a little, once, you know, I've slept on it, I still have those feelings. There's still the ego. It's not a hundred percent. That's still a drive for me, but it's like, no, there's more to it than just like, you know, the family member that said I wasn't going to make it. You know what I mean? Like there's a little more to it than that, but the, the concept of like, it is really hard when you've been kicked down so many times and, you know, especially owning a salon during the pandemic, I cannot fucking imagine like, and just that on top of everything else, um, knowing when it is enough. And you said um, the title is not enough. I wrote that down. Cause I just think that is so important. And I hope people hear that because, you know, 
if you get rid of all the ego shit, like it just, it can't, it's not worth sacrificing your life, your health, your family, your relationship over. It really isn't like, and you are more than that. I, I but I, I get it too. Cause I, it does sound great to be like, I own a business and be able to tell people I own a business and you work so hard for it. Right. It's, yeah. it's so fun to tell people what yeah. you've been like dedicating your life to. Totally. Oh. Yeah. I love that you said, don't quit on a, uh, never quit on a bad day. Um, uh, I first heard that phrase like, uh, last year and Rob was like, I heard this thing. And I, and I was like, that is so good. And, and he and I both kind of kept track separately on days when like the salon was running really well, nothing was leaking, nothing was breaking. Um, there was no, <laughs> but like things were going well. And he's like, do you still, are you still wanting to get out? And I was like, oh yeah. Like, and, and that just felt there was so much like peace in that. Yeah. Um, but also going back to what you said about like kind of proving the haters or proving, you know, I yes. think we'll have those people in our mind that we can instantly think of um, who have, have, you know, told us that we're not going to make it or, and it's funny. Cause I, I don't know if you ever do this, but I, I regularly, this is so embarrassing. I regularly picture myself giving acceptance speeches for what award I do not know, but <laughs> I love it. just like the type of personality that I am and, you know, being a go-getter, being an, an entrepreneur, like I, words of affirmation mean a lot to me. So like yep. the idea of like publicly getting award for what, I don't know, but I have acceptance speeches practiced and ready to go. Um, and so I was talking to my therapist about this and she asked me who's in the audience. And I said, the audience. And it was like literally all people from my past that have like hurt me that I wanted to prove wrong. It was like people that bullied me in high school, people that, you know, put me down or people that have been mean to me or whatever. And she's like, where are your friends and family in the audience? Would they not be in the front row? And I was like, I hadn't even thought about that. And it was like, the fact that I hadn't even thought about that was kind of this like funny perspective change of like, I think I might be giving too much power to the people that I want to prove wrong. When like, literally I could name, you know, 20 people who would be there in the front row cheering me on being like, yes, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that needs to be more of the inspiration. Um, but yeah, I don't know why we do that. We just I we wanna- love I love that though. Like I I I relate to that so hard. I said to Kyle the other day, like, you know, I want to be a big deal. <laughs> it's like it's so embarrassing to say it. And because he's not really the type of person that wants to be a big deal. And yeah. and and he's not and saying you want to be a big deal sounds very like ego based and and right it, but, I want to be a big deal too but I want to be a big deal like <laughs> <laughs> it's like so funny because when you said the acceptance speech a hundred percent like when I watch the awards shows I always think like what I would do how I would who I would say thank you all that a hundred percent like yeah. and anybody listening who is thinking like oh I would never I call bullshit I, <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of people that absolutely like yeah. I mean I mean the celebrity industry in itself is a thing because people want to be a big deal. So yeah, totally. I, 
Yeah, I love that you said that. Um, your therapist is a gem to to pose that question to you. Like that is, yeah, that is an amazing perspective. And when you were saying that, I thought, I wonder like who would be in my audience. And I think I'm the same. I I think I am accepting something in front of the people that told me that I couldn't. And it's a really important reminder because I I do think there's something to the darkness, like having that chip on your shoulder, having that, I'm going to prove you wrong attitude, tapping into that once in a while, like on days that are hard, a hundred percent, that is my drive. It doesn't sound glamorous. It doesn't sound pleasant, but it is, it it drives like nothing else. I try to stay in the lighter, happier feelings more (laughs) often, but I've got a darkness to me, like everybody does. And I a hundred percent tap into that. The person that said this or did that or whatever, Um, and it's wildly motivating. So I don't want people to shy away from that totally. Um, but I think that I'm going to remember this, that concept of like, who's in the audience, who's who's in the front row next. Yeah. 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 But put them in the back. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, let's get the friends and family in the front and put the assholes in the back. Exactly. (laughs) Like, why are they getting like next to to the washrooms? (laughs) They're like the, what is it? The seat fillers or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh God. I love that. Yeah. It, it is. I think too, when you're building something, you kind of have to have that you have to want to be a big deal or you have to want what you're building to be a big deal. There is that little piece of delusionalness, yeah. right? Like you do have to be slightly delusional to be an entrepreneur. You have to Absolutely. assume it's going to work out and, and shoot for the stars and just hope for the best. And yeah. it's, it's not always, um, yeah, it's not always glamorous, but but it really is like very important. Yeah. Um, so when you made the decision and you were closing, closing up shop, moving on, was there a period of imposter syndrome in that? Ooh, I don't know that there was imposter syndrome in the decision to sell. There was definitely, I think the imposter syndrome was before that when I, you know, was like, having to keep on like a brave face at like, yes, this is still my passion. Yes. This is what I'm loving doing. Yes. This is, you know, what I'm fighting for. There was definitely, um, imposter syndrome in there because again, you know, people would talk to me about my business and be like, Oh my gosh, you guys are doing so well. Or, you know, saying things like this. And I'm like, well, we had a loss last year, but you're not just going to shoot someone's compliment down with that. So I think there's more imposter syndromes in those times. Um, Selling your business, imposter syndrome goes away real quick because you have to show all the numbers. (laughs) So there's no imposter syndrome. It's like pure financial nudity. You're just (laughs) bearing everything, being like, hey, this is what I've built. These are the numbers. Are you still interested? Um, And thankfully, yeah, thankfully the, the new owners, they knew they knew the the worth of the brand. They knew the worth of the infrastructure. Um, and they have the the time and the energy to pour into it what it needed to be. Because really towards the end, I kind of felt like I was being a half-ass owner and a half-ass mom. Um, 
And that just sucked to constantly feel like you're, I want to give everything 150%. And so it just sucked when you felt like you're kind of dropping the ball everywhere all the time. Um, so yeah, the imposter syndrome, like I said, goes away really, really quick when you just have to show everything. Cause everyone knows everything in a business deal. Your lawyers know their lawyers know you, they know everything you can't, you know, the CRA knows everything. You can't hide anything. So yeah. This show is sponsored by our very own company, Leah Yard Designs. Leah Yard Designs is a jewelry brand in Vancouver, Canada that specializes in unique, semi-precious pieces. The designs are meant to be mixed and matched to celebrate the wearer. We love fashion juxtapositions, which is why you will usually find me in ripped jeans and a ton of gold jewelry. Our goal is to add glamour to every day. Our most popular design is our Zodiac necklace, which was created to celebrate what makes you uniquely you. 5% of all profits in the jewelry collection are donated to the DEWC, a local charity that helps vulnerable women in Vancouver's downtown east side. You can learn more and shop the full collection at www.leayarddesigns.com. If somebody was to say to you, I'm thinking I might, it might be time for me to quit, move on to something else. Is there advice you would give them or guidance you would give them? Ooh, great question. Um, my, it's not really much advice. It's just uh, a fact. It's going to cost you a lot in legal fees, more than you expect it's going to. Um, and I was lucky enough that I was able to sell my business without using a business broker just from connections that I had in the industry of, you know, through one of my reps, I was being like, Hey, do you know of anyone else in the industry that's looking that would be interested in buying? And she connected me with a couple people that might be interested. Um, so that was, that was one cost that I didn't have to incur because I didn't get like a business broker and have to pay them to then go and sell my business. Um, but that was one thing I was, not quite prepared for because I mean in the scheme of things selling four hair salons is not a giant business deal and it still cost me over rough numbers like over $26,000 in legal fees you know what I mean so um so just if, if you're thinking about it just be prepared and yeah. be prepared that you know, those numbers are probably going to come out of what you get to keep at the end. Um, so that's not really an advice. It's just like, it's just rip the bandaid off and tell you that right away. It costs a lot to sell a business. Um, and then what else? I mean, I really fumbled my way through it. it I was basically, if you think about it, I was basically like, pretending to be a realtor and selling a house without having, you know, I hear I'm selling my business and I, I've, you know, I've never sold an entity before. Um, so there was lots, there was lots of, um, learning moments, fumbling moments, being like, I don't know what I'm doing moments. Um, I tried, I'm, I'm typically like a super, super open book. Um, very like personally an open book. Um, but I tried in the beginning kind of negotiating stages to like 
hold my cards a little bit closer to my chest because I'm also an extremely trusting person, which has come to bite me in the ass before. So I just, I, I really just was like, proceed with caution, like just focus on what the next step is and don't offer up more information than you need to. Don't talk yourself out of a deal. Don't talk yourself out of a sale. You simply want to like proceed with what's the next step. What's the next question. Um, and that, that was one thing that I can say, I, I feel like I did well uh, in this. I wasn't just like, here's my business. Here's everything about it. Here's, you know, and then, and then really just like kind of, you know, devalue, devalue myself or devalue the business. Um, because I think as business owners too, we, it can go t- one of two ways. We can either like completely overinflate what we think our value is based on because our heart and soul is into it. Or we struggle from imposter syndrome and being like, who's going to want to buy this thing that I, that I did. It's just little old me kind of thing. So um, yeah, that's my advice. If you can call it advice. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great advice. I I'm definitely like you where I tend to, I'm way, I'm very gullible, <laughs> very like I'm too trusting. Um, and I tend to, yeah, give, give it all away. Like it's just, it's very difficult to know sometimes less is more. And um, yeah, when you're dealing with like negotiation and, and something that you've really invested in, um, good for you. Cause that, I, I really think that would be a difficult thing. And for anyone going through it for the first time, if you don't know, right. And it'd be all kinds of terminology, I'm sure that's new and everything. Right. So yeah, no, I think that's, that's great advice. I, um, and knowing kind of what to expect, even just with the legal fees, I didn't know. I didn't know it'd be that expensive to. Basically, every time I wrote an email, even if it was like two sentences long, it was like, there's $350. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> if it was a, a question I thought that I could research and find the answer to, I would try. So I would try yeah. as much as I could to find answers myself. And then if I couldn't find answers, I would try and compile everything very bullet point and very like to the point. And then send it in one email because I'm just like the back and forth. I just, it's just like, Um, I had phenomenal, phenomenal lawyers, um, phenomenal lawyers. And I mean, they, yeah, I I would never in a bajillion years want that job if it's so detail oriented, but yeah, just, I would say try and research as much as you can, unless you just want to just like hemorrhage legal fees. I think that's great. That's great advice. Um, when you were, once you made the decision to leave and then you were kind of coming to terms with that decision, did you have something in mind of what you wanted to do or did you just know I'm done with this? I'll figure out the next step later. I just knew I was done and I'll figure out the next step later. Um, which was, which was wild because my entire life, I wanted to own hair salons. Like I wanted to be a hairstylist as a kid. I knew it, like I wanted, that was always the dream. Um, so to just be like, I'm done this now. And I don't know what I'm going to do next was it's very unlike me. Cause I'm yeah. always you know, 10 steps ahead in the future. Um, but I had a couple ideas. I was like, I can go work for my sister's company. My sister, Sarah owns Rebel Cares, um, period proof underwear. And I've, you know, I've been like her number one fan since the beginning and, and love that business and would pour my heart and soul into that business. I'm like, I would go 
stock their shelves or pack their packages. Like I, I would do what it takes if, I, if, if a stroke of inspiration didn't come to me also, you know, Rob's photography business has really been taking off the last couple of years. And, um, he's not the strongest in like admin stuff. It's not what he's passionate about. I'm like, I could, I could do that. I could, you know, just do different things like this until I figure it out. Um, and I think, I think both parties were excited about the prospect of me of having my help. <laughs> and then I figured out what I wanted to do and didn't help either of them. <laughs> Sorry guys. I love it. Yeah. Um, and so, and so tell, tell everybody, what is it that you're working on now? So now my new company is called Lavo and it is reusable makeup remover cloths. And they are face cloths that will remove a hundred percent of your makeup, waterproof, mascara, lipstick, foundation, everything with just water. Um, so this was an idea I had back probably last summer it was actually before we sold. I was kind of like, Oh, if I ever started a product company, like I love these things. Like I've used them for years. I haven't purchased, you know, a cotton pad or makeup remover wipe in years. And it's a product that I've used and literally sold to everyone in my family and my friends. And I'm, and I'm like, why don't I just start my own line of those? Because I feel like there's an, a niche for it in the market and there's not many c companies doing it. Also makeup remover is not as sexy as makeup itself. I'm like, there's a bajillion makeup companies, but nobody's focusing, focusing on how to take it off. So that's my new company that I've been working on for, I would say probably, yeah, since last July, I've been working on it. Um, so you would, would not believe the amount of back and forth and sampling there is in like a face cloth. I can't even imagine what goes into making like period proof underwear or like a technical winter jacket or something like we're talking about a face cloth here. Um, but just to get it, to get everything perfect. So I'm planning on launching that in April. Um, and we're mostly going to be selling online, but then I'm also planning on doing some of like the bigger exhibitions, um, in Canada. Cause I also just like love, selling and talking to people. Um, well, and you're so good at it. That's how we met. And, and you sold me period proof underwear, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that's great. That's it's very different than what you've been doing. So is it, um, I mean, I guess in the salon you had products, but it, it still is different. It was more service-based what you were doing and you're selling an existing product. So do you, feel how do you feel about the pivot like I'm sure there's a ton you can take with you from owning salons obviously absolutely there's there's a, I think right now the biggest thing that I'm taking away is like what I what I don't want and right now the things that I don't want is I don't want um a service-based business right now I'm really loving working for myself um and just kind of like having complete creative control and just really you know, any conflict is just between me and myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, also, you know, in the salons, I guess we sell products, but it's very much just like you buy them from your beauty supplier, you mark them up the standard amount, you put them on the shelves and that's kind of it where this, I'm just having, I'm having such a blast. 
like from everything of like the designing the logo, designing the packaging, designing the website. Like I love, I love business startup really. Um, so I'm having a ton of fun with that. And then thankfully, because um, my sister, Sarah, you know, owns a technical garment company, she's been a huge resource for me. I can go to her with anything being like, what do you think about this? Like my original idea for packaging was way over here. And she's like, Laz, you got to think about this. You got to think about shipping costs. You got to think about this. You got to think about, okay, if you get into a store, how are they going to display that on a shelf? Like all these things. So I'm just like completely indebted to her and her like knowledge of, um, you know, garments and, and textile industry stuff. Um, you know, she helped me with my tech packs that I sent to the manufacturer to make sure that the stitching is this way and that, and that. So she's been a huge resource for me that way, but it's been fun. I literally feel like every single day I'm learning some, like learning something completely new, um, you know, different like certifications or even just things in, in packaging in Canada that like, I didn't know what you know, this specific CA number was, and now I'm picking up every piece of clothing and being like, oh yeah, they, it's right there. Cool. Like just, I, I'm, I'm having so much fun just like learning, um, right now. I love that, that, and you're, <clears throat> you can kind of feel it when you talk about it. Like you've got your fire again, you've got your spark, right. Which is, that's the whole point. Yeah, totally. So launching in April, I'm hoping if all goes well, it could be the end of March. No, I lied. It will get shipped out March and then it takes like 25 days to get here. So yes, April, if all goes well, it will be mid April that um, I'm launching. Yay. We'll have to do a, a follow-up episode on, uh, on all that too. And we'll have to do a, an event and all the things. So yeah, many things. So excited. So many things. Um, what's been the biggest lesson of starting a product for you? Ooh, great question. Maybe um, the most surprising thing. Hmm. I think the most surprising thing has been how much I can actually accomplish on my own because I am fully, I am fully a believer in you pay professionals to do their job. Like, I'm in the salons. I'm like, I'm not going to try and fix a washing machine to save some money. I'm going to pay a professional. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay professionals to clean the salon. I'm going to pay professionals to, to coach me. Um, you know, everything I, I fully believe in paying people what they're worth. Um, and, but, but I've surprised myself in how much I've been able to accomplish on my own, just simply, I think, because I'm loving it and I'm, I'm feeling so inspired. So am I a graphic designer? Absolutely not. But I really know the aesthetic that I want. I know what I like. And I've been really surprised and amazed at what I've been able to come up with and been really proud of. Um, so that's been pleasantly surprising for me um, because I was fully going to go the route of just, you know, pay everyone else to design this, design that. But I'm like, well, as you have the time right now, fingers crossed when your kids aren't sick and staying home from daycare, you have the time. Um, so why not, you know, it might take you a little bit longer. You might need, you know, some help here and there, but, um, but, but that's been really, really fun. 
I hope people hear that. I think that's so smart too, to just try it because if you, if you find that it's not fun and it's maybe not your area of genius or whatever, then yeah, outsource. But I'm, I definitely was kind of victim to that at the beginning where I thought, well, I don't know anything. So obviously who am I to make a decision on this thing, like packaging or logo or whatever. Right. Um, And then you realize yeah, somebody else might've gone to school, but they don't care as much about your product as you do. And they don't have the vision that you do. So they might have all these amazing skills and accolades, but if they don't have that vision of the feeling of it and what you're trying to, the story you're trying to tell to your customer, like that kind of knowledge, sometimes you just cannot translate that into the font. (laughs) (laughs) And is it, I find fonts wild, how letters can literally evoke a feeling. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A website yesterday and just like going through the fonts and be like, oh, no, absolutely not. Or just like, oh, yeah, that's good. Or like, oh, that's so like warm and inviting. And then the next one can be like, ah, like it's I don't understand the psychology behind fonts, but it, it's wild how they could literally letters, just their curves and their lines can make you feel different things. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I look back at old marketing things that I had and and now it just looks so dated to me. And so like, I get what I was going for when I did yeah. that, but girl, <laughs> yeah, like, it was bad. Like it just is not it just really missed the mark. So I probably actually should have hired a professional at some point, but I did try. But I do think like learning, there is so much of these skills as entrepreneurs that you just have to accept that there is intuition to it. And it is so hard to learn to trust that and give yourself permission to try. But I think also Uh, like even when I'm talking about the packaging that I found from a past season of mine, like you can always change, right? Like it's, it's not set in stone. You can always, you can always change. You can always pivot. You can always, you know, run with it one time. And I really hope people who are starting out hear that too, because it's so easy to get crippled by, yeah, the font on the website or something. It's got to be so perfect before you launch. And it's like, honestly, fuck it. Like it doesn't matter. Like in the long road, it doesn't matter. And it's way better to start and then improve as you go. Um, And I'm kind of like a firm believer that like, you should be a little bit embarrassed about your last year's attempts. Do you know what I mean? Like you should always be kind of getting better to the point of like, you look back and think, Ooh, that's a little bit cringy. Like, (laughs) cause it means you started, like, it means that you, you started. I think it's also so important to have, I would say, narrow it down to just one, maybe two people that are your, like, they are your go-to, you know, they will be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Because I think, especially in the, in the beginning of starting a a business, um, you know, you're excited about it. You want to talk to people about it, but it's something you have to kind of like hold a little bit back and like treasure it to yourself because once you start sharing that and getting too many people's opinions it can get really confusing um and I say you need to have those one or two people that will be ruthlessly honest with you because that's actually what you need um and thankfully like again talking about my sister Sarah she's that person for me so 
I had started working with um, a graphic designer who I absolutely love and is phenomenally talented. Um, and whatever it was, I couldn't, I just couldn't quite get across what I was going for. I don't know if it was, you know, it was just, we weren't, it just wasn't, it wasn't getting where I wanted it to be. And I was kind of feeling that, but then I was also like, but I'm not the professional. So let's just keep going. Like, yeah. What, oh yeah. I think that vision, I think, you know, that person, the graphic designer's vision is probably what I should go with because they know what they're doing. Um, and then Sarah was like, Eliza, she's like, can I be honest with you? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I'm underwhelmed. She's like, I think you can do it yourself. And I was like, uh, I've already, you know, committed. I've already dropped money into this. And she's like, just try it. She's like, and within 24 hours, I came up with the branding that I have now that I absolutely love. And she was like, fuck yes, I knew you could do it. Um, you know, and, and other people that I showed the original stuff to were like, oh yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? Because they're being supportive, but you need that person. And that's limited to one or two, because otherwise your dreams will just get crushed. But um, <laughs> one or two people that can be like, mm, I know know you and this isn't what you're going for or I know yeah I, I I know what your vision is and I this doesn't look like you and that was it was like the original stuff she's like it doesn't look like you and and when I came up with my stuff she's like that's so you and that's what I wanted so I love that and that's interesting to hear your perspective on that because I've heard I've heard two opposite things with the idea. Some people say when you have an idea for business, tell everybody you know, tell like get as much feedback as you can. And then other people say, don't tell anybody and like really keep it to yourself. And I'm, I don't know what I think. Like, I feel like yes to both sides. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like you kind of found the sweet spot there of like, find a, a little pocket of people. <laughs> that are like your cheerleaders that truly want the best for you. They're not your competitors. They're not just like friends in the industry. They're like people that are really on your cheering team mm -hmm. and then invest ideas in them and, and talk to them about it. Cause it is hard. I, you know, when you first start, you're going to get so many people saying, this isn't going to work for this reason. Why didn't you do this? And I've always said that you have to consider the source. If right, if the person who's telling you it's never going to work is somebody who's never taken a risk and tried something and they and they just don't have the experience of winging it, no. <laughs> then then I'm not I'm not going to take their advice or or take their critiques to heart. But it is hard because they're I mean, so much of marketing is networking and getting out there and telling everybody about it. But you do have to kind of keep a little bit to yourself and be very selective I think very selective on who you share it with. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you said that where you find somebody that, yeah, is just actually going to be honest with you, but wants the best for you, you know, as a family member, this isn't somebody yeah. that's like, you know, you'd met just at a business event or something. And exactly, yeah. And I have no problem sharing the big idea yeah. with, with anyone in conversation. It really came down to like the creative decisions and like the direction and, you know, those kind of things um, that I, that I was holding closer to my chest, but the, the general idea, no problem talking to people about it. Um, yeah. So there, there is kind of a sweet spot. There is definitely truth in both because again, you have, like, I think about that episode of Seinfeld where they try to start a business selling only muffin tops. 
yeah. Oh my god. Like, heaps and heaps and heaps of the muffin bottoms. It's like, like, clearly didn't like run this idea by anyone else, right? Like, (laughs) you need somebody that's gonna like bring you back down to to reality. Um, yeah. Well, and it sounds too like you and Rob, you guys have a good um relationship where you guys can bounce that off one another too. So um I know at home, like I'm the big, I'm the visionary, this have this huge idea, get super excited, and then Kyle will be like, Yeah, well, what about you know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to say he pokes holes in my dreams, but he just, right. you know, he doesn't want me to fail and he's much more slow and steady realistic grounded i'm more fuck it let's just go all in you know like i'm so all or nothing and i need what i've learned is that you have to like have those people around you but not at the beginning i need the time to be alone and have this incredible idea get all the creative stuff out and then kind of talk it with somebody else who's gonna like rein you in and be like that's a great idea whatever because otherwise if I have this awesome idea and I tell him and he starts kind of showing me the things that I don't (laughs) I don't want to know um then I just get really deflated and it's like you know and then I'll pout about it (laughs) honestly though I feel like it's a match made in heaven like I feel like Rob and I are the same way sounds like you and Kyle are the same way like I need to go and like just like dream 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 and then yeah. And, and, and like, in you, it's like, it's a kind of a precious time. Like it feels like this like precious moment when you have this like dream that you haven't really shared with anyone yet. And you can just kind of like, it's like your little, I don't know, your little secret. It's like a precious time because it's a short time. Cause once it you is. start working on it, then you're like, okay, now I got to get this idea and this dream out yeah. to everyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh that's- yeah. That, that spark of inspiration. There's, there's nothing like it. Like where you just have an idea and you just get goosebumps over it. And it's, and it's just so like, even when you're talking about the packaging, when it all clicked, there just is a moment in that where it's like, oh, like it's so thrilling. And yeah. this is the part of entrepreneurship that is so addictive is those little glimmers of when things start when the dots, the stars align and the dots all line up or whatever. And it's just, everything goes right for a second you see what what, you see what it could be you're like yes yes that vision that vision I I love that that's so um I was thinking the other day like what is the one thing you need to run a business and I think it's hope like you you that's kind of all you I mean you need all the other skills and that that go along with it but that's the thing you need is this like this idea this is going to work out and I and I just have all this hope for this thing and I believe in it so then when shit does hit the fan because it will it just is what it is then you still have that little like glimmer totally yeah what um if you can share or if you have this off the top of your head like what kind of goals do you have for this product based business when you're accepting that award up there (laughs) (laughs) um well, I think what I would love to see, oh, literally like 20 thoughts just like went through my head. All at once. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I would love to see when we launch selling out in a day, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal, but I have a very exciting marketing opportunity that I'm working on that I really think could ramp up and do some like pretty, get some pretty cool exposure. Um, so that's like a big dream. Um, 
but also a dream would be to like really feel like I'm a legit competitor with the other main company that that is doing products like this. I would love to be in Sephora. I would love to be in Erewhon. Um, you know, because makeup remover cloths, like I'm not, this is not a new invention. They've been around, but the amount of people that have never heard of them or have never used them or don't understand that you don't have to use makeup remover with it. It's just water. Like I talk to people about this all the time. People are like, I've never heard of that. I haven't um, heard of it until, until you, I had never heard of it oh. until you. So for me, I'm like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity out there just, you know, to, to kind of convert, convert people from using more disposable products to finding this like easy solution. So I know that there's, I know that there's room in the market for me. Um, so yeah, seeing it in Sephora, seeing it in Whole Foods, seeing it, you know, in big retailers would be amazing. Um, yeah. And then, but I think too, like my, my idea around it was that like, I really wanted to like do really beautiful branding that, you know, I could see it opening up into maybe other products down, down the line. It would have to really make sense with what I'm doing. Cause the idea is to simplify and right. to not have to be constantly buying makeup remover, be constantly buying wipes, be constantly buying all these things. So my idea is to really to like have a sustainable product that replaces, it replaces up to about three years worth of makeup remover. Whoa. So we're talking like, I did the calculation. That's approximately, if you're looking at, you know, an average pack of makeup remover wipes is about 15 bucks. You know, you can get cheaper, you can get a lot more expensive, but on average about $15 in three years, that's about $2,100 on makeup remover where you can buy a $25 cloth that's going to last you for three years. So not only are you saving money, but you're also diverting like disposable wipes from landfills. And we're talking like in the billions go into the landfill. Yeah. Um, so if I was to ever expand to, into other products, it would have to really kind of align with that vision of like right. trying to simplify and to like reduce, you know, reduce the amount of waste that, um, you know, we're creating in the cosmetic industry. Um, so I have no idea what that looks like, but I wanted to be able to brand it in a way that we could eventually go somewhere. So rather than calling, you know, the company something like on the nose, describing exactly what it is, I wanted to pick a name that could kind of evoke a feeling, but that could kind of, you know, lend itself to, to other products, other kind of lifestyle kind of products. So, and then who knows, maybe I just sell it and do something else because now I know that you can do that. <laughs> I love it. I love that you built on what you've already done because I, when you talked about how you, you know, you always wanted to own a salon, that was your dream. The amazing thing is that you've done it. You did that dream that you wanted and now you can do a new dream. You know, like we've got this huge life and so often we don't think about, you can actually have a few dreams in your lifetime. Like you can actually do a lot of big things, um, but we don't think about it like that enough. Yeah. So fuck yeah, you already got one down. Yeah. <laughs> Head on to the next. I don't, I don't know if it's just, if it's particularly our generation or the generations before us, but I feel like we're, 
we're kind of, it's very linear in the, like you choose a path and you do the path Yeah, and don't think that like nobody tells you the path is actually just like a giant fucking squiggle. It's not a path. It's a squiggle. Um, and that's one thing that I wrestle with all the time is feeling like I should be here when I'm over here yeah. or I should be, you know, I did that with the salon all the time. Like I should be farther ahead. I should be doing this. I should. Um, and, and then to like, yeah, then to sell being like, is this, is this crazy? Like, it's, I thought I was going to do this forever. Um, yeah. So it's just, I think we're just brought up thinking that you have this like linear path. Yeah. Um, and I also think what people present to the world look, oftentimes looks really linear. Yeah. You don't see the crazy squiggles behind the scene. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's been interesting too. But another thing that I struggle with, and I, I, I don't know if this is like an entrepreneur thing, if you feel this, but I have this like insane sense of urgency. Like I always feel like time is running out and I am missing the boat and I am missing the opportunity and I'm not where I should be yet. Like it's like, and it's a double-edged sword because it gets, I get a lot of shit done really fast in limited amounts of time now, especially that I have two toddlers. Um, But this like sense of urgency of like, so to think about like having a couple of dreams in a lifetime, it's like, I'm already like I'm turning 37 this month like I'm yeah I'm getting close to 40 like you know but then I love reading those articles about people that like became wildly successful or found their passion like in their 60s or yes because then it helps me just breathe for a minute and just be like oh yeah there's there's still time like so it's great because it propels you forward, but then sometimes it also gives you this like anxiety of never being enough. So I'm trying to like, trying to find somewhere in the middle to exist with that. Yeah, I I'm I find it challenging to exist with that also. I think social media plays a huge role in that. I definitely feel that sense of, I'm so convinced I'm behind everybody. Like I'm so convinced I'm behind everybody and that there's no way I will get ahead and that <laughs> this is and it is a driving force it's like well I better get up and get at it then <laughs> because I'm so far behind but there is that illusion online that people are miles ahead and it's how they portray things it's what's shown and it's not even done in a malicious way it's just no one's going to show the squiggle stuff online and yeah. right like you just it, and a lot of it doesn't translate to to Instagram so it makes sense but I definitely, that sense of urgency, I really feel like last year I celebrated 10 years having this business and I was really embarrassed to tell people it had been 10 years because I kind of did everything wrong for the first six years. And then, and then we had a pandemic and, you know, and all these things. Right. But it was like, I was embarrassed if people find out that it's been a decade, they're going to think, well, how come you're not in Holt Renfrew yet or how come you're not you know what I mean like all these things you think and at that same that same mark um Nick's you know the brand Nick's they were celebrating 10 years (laughs) like 
that's a big brand. So again, I'm thinking in my head of like, people will see online, like Nick's this gigantic, you know, Joanna, I don't remember her last name, but I love the founder story. And she became, she broke history. I think in Canada is like the first female, it was like the biggest sell or something for the company, something like this, you know, and that, so that's in my mind, what 10 years in looks like. Um, Meanwhile, (laughs) Meanwhile, like, you know, just nowhere near that. But I have to remind myself, everybody's got a different starting point. Like I, I, and everybody has a different journey. And sometimes I think I want things that I know I'm not ready for also. So that's something like when there's that sense of urgency, I feel sometimes, oh, I want this big break or I want this whatever. And, And then when I think logistically about it, could I actually fill 30,000 orders if they came, you know what I mean? Like if it came within a week, like, no, I I couldn't do that. And it would actually be chaos and it would be harmful to my brand in the long run. So it's such a fine balance. Because again, there's that visionary piece of our brain that's like rah, 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 go for it, you know, chomping at the bit. And then there's the part of like the rest is kind of scrambling <laughs> to, to keep up. But then there's the societal pressure of there's these things that we see that we assume everyone else thinks about our business that we should be at these stages that we're not. Um, so I, you are not alone in, in that feeling like that, that urgency, that the comparison, which it just is, it's a natural thing. We all do it. And we need to, in some sense, to have an idea of where we are in our industry, but it's such a slippery slope. And if you don't have people around you um, reassuring you on what you're doing, it, it it can be really bad. Like it's, it's online is a, it's such a wonderful space in a lot of ways, but when you're starting out, it can just make you feel like it's not worth it. Yeah, totally. One thing that that helped this last year was like starting to go to some events that were focused on female entrepreneurs and not going to lie. I was like, went to this one event and I was totally intimidated. And I was like, I I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but just kind of this, like, kind of felt like I needed to have this wall up of like, you know, are all these other women are going to be, you know, are they competition? Are they going to be cold? Are they going to be this or whatever, you know, because high school doesn't feel that long ago. Um, (laughs) I hear that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I went to this one event and I was just so blown away by like how kind and open and welcoming all these women were and they were all in very like various stages of business ownership some were just starting some had ideas some were still working their corporate job afraid to leave and do their dream others were like you know 10 years into their business and I I literally walked away from that event just like floating I just I was like yes yes like I think it's so it's so easy to like kind of sit back and be like oh there's there's not going to be that community. There's not going to be that camaraderie or whatever, but it it actually is there. You just have to be intentional to go and find it. So, you know, I've signed up for a couple more events like this, like specifically around like female entrepreneurship, because I'm like, that's what I need to surround myself by. Um, because if I'm just surrounding myself by what I see online all the time, it's, it does the opposite, <laughs> you know, it can really just like make you feel like you're behind or make you feel like you're not there yet. Um, 
but just going and face-to-face talking with like other founders that are like in the trenches, you know, in whatever their, you know, their businesses, I found it. I was blown away by like, I hadn't felt that encouraged in like such a long time in such a long time. So, yeah. I love that. I, um, yeah, I love that so much because I listen to a lot of podcasts and things like that where people, you know, try to find ones where people are truly vulnerable, but there is nothing like being in person with somebody in a room and you just, you hear things and and people say things that they're just not going to say online. Like even you could be the most vulnerable person, but you're not going to have the conversation evolve in the same way when you know someone's listening, like just yes. no matter what, it just yeah. won't. Right. So like those in-person events, having those connections, hearing what people um, are really going through and what it's, what it's like. And yeah, I was late to doing that. Like I, cause I thought I was the only one struggling. I didn't even bother going to these things. Um, there's a stupid story where I hid in a washroom at one of these events because I felt like such an imposter. I like literally hid in the washroom and I couldn't leave because I just felt so oh. out of place. And I just felt like all these women, they in my mind, they seemed so put together in every single way. And it's like, yes, everybody's going to come in and they're going to, we're all going to try and look our best. We're all going to try and be on our best behavior. But once you're actually there long enough and you have a conversation, it relaxes a bit and we're all human. We all, no one knows what they're doing. I can't say it enough. No one knows what they're doing. And I think back to, you posted a while ago about the guys that started like the vaping companies. Oh my God, yes. And how these like, tech bros or whatever who had no idea what they were doing but had like the most inflated sense of confidence just trailblazing through and starting this like phenomenon with like you know that we don't have to get get into with, like but with a, a potentially cancerous product like it, it was like it like I worry about jewelry and it's like <laughs> and so I I think that like and this is this is not like you know gender bashing or whatever but typically in our patriarchal society it's like you know men have the this delusional confidence that like whatever idea they do is just going to work out and women we seem to be on the other side we're sitting on literal gold being like are we good enough i don't yeah. know do you know and so i think that every time that we every time that we push ourselves out of our comfort zone and we go to the event, even if the first time you hide in the bathroom the whole time, you went. And next time you might not hide in the bathroom or maybe you hide in the bathroom half the time. But every time we go and we like make that decision to like make ourselves bigger, we're like, we're breaking that down for like, for us, we're breaking that down for the people, for the women that are walking alongside us. And we're breaking that down for the women that are coming up behind us. A thousand percent. And, and also having like a a sense of humor about it. Like I now joke, whenever I do an event, I will take a photo in the bathroom. I take a selfie in the bathroom. And I have this joke of like, now there's one event that I didn't hide in the bathroom. And I've got like proof. I was in there just for a second, right? I needed to use the washroom. I I went in. And so that's like a little joke that I have. Um, it also helps that I have a podcast about failure. So, <laughs> so I'm like always looking for content. So this is like great content, but just knowing that like you're going to evolve and you're going to, you're going to change. So, and that's another thing too, is like when I was saying that 10 year mark and how I was comparing myself to these other brands that are like 
actually known and these big things. It's like, yes, but not that long ago, I was hiding in a washroom at an event and like Joanna, who has this, this gigantic company, she was a little bit further ahead of me than like, she, she, she will have flaws and she will have things that she struggles with. But the time that I was hiding in a bathroom, she wasn't, she was already, she had moved past that and was doing something a little more courageous. So just remembering that everybody's got a different everybody has a different journey and you know it's so good to hear stories so you understand the pieces and the steps that people took to get where they are but it's not going to look the same and and opportunities change all the time and it's sometimes knowing the right person at the right time and sometimes the way someone else did it just isn't aligned with how you want to do it like i know people that are very successful but i i'm i wouldn't be comfortable behaving the way that they've behaved in order to gain success and not even saying that it's anything bad. It's just, it just doesn't align with who I am. So it's going to, I'm going to take a different route. Yeah. And then I think it's also important too, to like really Rob and I have talked a lot about this is like, what, what is our definition of success? Right. Because I think that definition, I think we're kind of like, like we're kind of um, like spoon fed our whole lives, an idea of what that looks like, but in actuality, what is in your like truest heart? What is your definition of success? Um, and yeah, like I, th- I think when you can kind of figure that out, it like helps act as kind of like a little bit more of, of a, of a compass, because I look at, I look at, you know, taking Joanna, the founder of Nix, for example, I'm like, yeah, wildly successful, but I cannot even imagine the amount of problems that has come along. Totally. A multi-million dollar company that's been sued and all this stuff, you know? So that's another thing that, I mean, obviously owning four hair salons with like 30 employees is much different than owning Nix, but as my quote unquote success grew, so did my problems. Do you know what I mean? Like a thousand percent more money, more problems, right? Like a thousand percent, you know, and, and the more complex your organization gets, the more complex your organization gets. And so that's why right, like right now, really like for me, I feel like scaling back and like just doing something for myself oh, it feels like such a breath of fresh air because I'm not spending time fixing everyone else's problems and then mine on the bottom of the totem pole. So like, I think even just in the last year, my definition of success has, has changed because my definition of success is like actually finding joy in what I'm doing every day. And my definition of success is like, being like a fucking good mom to my kids when they come home from daycare, because I've actually like filled up my cup and I've actually like spent time on myself, like feeding something that makes me feel alive so that I have like energy to pour into them. And that is like, definitely, if you saw me this last month, you'd be like, Eliza, that is a bold faced lie. They were off for two weeks and they were <laughs> sick for two weeks. And I literally thought I was going to have a mental breakdown because I hadn't like been alone in a month other than to pee. And half the time I wasn't even alone when I was peeing. So, but on the whole, I found that like, even just since October, 
having this project and having those days where I get to like there in daycare and I get to just like work on it. I like, I'm a fucking rock star of a mom on those days. Um, I don't even know how I got on that tangent, but do you know, definition of success, success. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was, when I had the four salons, I was at the end, I was not feeling successful because I just, I felt, I felt depleted and yeah. I felt like I wasn't doing any one thing really well. So yeah. Have you I, ever heard of Ramit? Um, he's like a financial guru guy. I have. He has a, is he the one that has a Netflix? He has a thing? Netflix. Yes. Called uh, how to be rich. I believe. Yes. I think I I put it in my list, I think is what I did. <laughs> Definitely watch it. I feel like the, okay. title, the title is misleading. It sounds yes. like icky. Click, click baby. Like, like, rich. Yeah. It's a phenomenal show. He's uh, like a financial guru, but his whole thing is about building and creating your rich life. And your rich life is going to look wildly different than the next person. Yeah somebody's rich life might be getting to take two months of vacation a year. Someone else's rich life might be able to like buy, you know, whatever designer bag. Someone else's rich life might be getting to like pick your kids up from daycare every day. Yeah. Got a flexible schedule. Um, and so Rob and I watched his series and I like follow all his stuff on Instagram and stuff. And, and so we've been talking a lot about that. Of like, what is, our rich life. And so I feel like the rich life thing kind of goes hand in hand with like, what is success? Um, so I've like mapped out in all areas of my life, what I want my rich life to be like in my relationships, in my, you know, physical health and my mental health and my financial health, all this, like, what do I want my rich life to look like? Um, and surprisingly, like a lot of them, I was like, Oh dang, I'm like living this already. That's really cool. Um, so that's been kind of helpful too, to kind of figure out like what, you know, success looks like. Cause I think we can talk a lot about success without defining it. And then it's just kind of this, you know, airy fairy idea. Um, but it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And without the clarity, you start getting wrapped up in things that you think you should want that you maybe actually don't want. Totally. Like it's, um, last year, so last year was my officially my best year in business financially, but it was the worst year for my relationship. It was the worst year for my health. It was like it was. And at the end of the year, I had lots of people saying, oh, good for you. You're doing so well, like blah, blah, blah. And I just was thinking like, this is the least successful I've ever felt in my life because the things that really matter are crumbling and like everything's fine at home but it was like I'm never going to sacrifice time with my partner we said no to family stuff we said no to friends stuff we said like I just put business before everything and it was a good lesson but holy shit like I'll never like that idea of you know having this big year money wise is going to be so great but the cost <laughs> that it actually was oh. is like not worth it at all and there wasn't even any time to to enjoy that quote unquote success that you know like it just is so um it was so skewed and so unaligned with who i am and with what i want and what were you saying like that rich life that was not a rich life 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very poor life. Like it was just not, it, yeah. I don't want to do that again. But if we don't track it, you get wrapped up in thinking it's e- so easy to keep putting it into the future. Well, I'll, you know, be happy when this happens or I'll feel successful when this happens or whatever. And all these little things that we keep putting, these markers we keep putting for ourselves. But if they're not even things we want or once you get them and it's like, it's not at all what I thought it was, um, it's so important to keep track. And I love that you said that you got to like, look at what you have in it and realize that you actually have some of the things that you, you're already living some of the, these things that you wanted and that you you're striving for. And it's like, if you don't look at that, you're going to miss it. Right. You just, you, you miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, um, measuring things like that, like not just numbers and, and all that, but measuring how you feel about stuff. Are you actually building a life that is, that is, as you said, joyful, like that should be the point. I mean, depending on what your rich life looks like, but that I think should be the point. Like maybe it's jets and and whatever, but I don't know if you're not joyful on your jet. I just don't know what the point is. Um, Eliza, thank you so much for sharing everything for your vulnerability, for sharing your story, sharing your advice, um, sharing what you're working on. Where can people find you if they want to follow along and keep tabs on your launch? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok, trying to get more consistent on TikTok. It's just my name, Eliza Trendiac. Um, I will be launching the social media for Lavo and launching the website and all that stuff in the next couple months. Um, but for now I'll be updating things on my personal social media. So just Eliza Trandiac, that's where you can find me. Yay. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love talking with you. It felt oh my just- God. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can, judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.